Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Welcome to Core Principles. I'm recording this episode the week of 23 August 2021. And the tenuous situation in Afghanistan is dominating many thoughts. Today, I will try to summarize a few of my own thoughts and give a synthesis of some other statements about the Afghanistan mess. Afghanistan has long been a mess. It was such a mess in the late 1990s after the former Soviet Union had fought against the Afghans for most of that decade that there was utter chaos and a power vacuum there. Into that power vacuum came a group that had formed in 1994 during the Soviet incursion called the Taliban. The Taliban started out as only about 50 radical Islamists, led by a mullah named Mohammed Omar. These extremists were willing to do anything to have their own perverse way. They established a dominance over all the Afghans in their areas of influence, and they were ruthless and violent. They truly terrorized the Afghans, and they were of like mind with other terrorists. Among those other terrorists were those in a group known as Al-Qaeda. Because the terrorists have no morals, no decency, no compunction against doing anything to further their evil ways. They had long been seeking ways to carry out some spectacular attack against their perceived great Satan, the liberty-loving people of the Western world. Most especially, the terrorists sought to attack the emblem of that liberty they despised, the United States of America. But Spectacular attacks take resources and require organizing, training, and equipping the terrorists who would be recruited into the mission. The problem of the power vacuum in Afghanistan, coupled with the aggressive actions of the terrorists, was that during the late 1990s through 2001, they could openly organize, train, and equip for their spectacular attacks. The most noteworthy of those attacks happened on September 11, 2001. Terrorists turned commercial aircraft into missiles, targeting over 80,000 people in New York and Washington, D.C. They killed about 3,000 by flying those planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and would have flown into their final target, but for the bravery of the passengers who took United Flight 93 down upon realizing what was happening. This was America's entry into the global war on terrorism. But the terrorists had been engaged in that war against us for decades. Some of our leadership, notably Bill Clinton, had treated the terrorism problem as a law enforcement matter. But George W. Bush changed that paradigm when it became tragically obvious how dangerous the terror threat had actually become. The global war on terrorism was always truly global, 
and never restricted to just Afghanistan. It featured, in fact, two primary operations and numerous smaller campaigns elsewhere. The first of the two primary operations was, of course, Operation Enduring Freedom, with Afghanistan as the focus of that theater of operations. The second was Operation Iraqi Freedom, which had Iraq as the central battleground in the war on terrorism during that operation's peak. So many people pretend as if Operation Iraqi Freedom was a second war, but it was integral to the global war on terrorism. A look at a map would make the choice of Iraq strategically obvious, with Iran and Syria being other exporters of terrorism, and Iran being sandwiched between Iraq and Afghanistan. The other justification for choosing Iraq as the additional battleground in the global war on terrorism was the years-long refusal of Iraq's Saddam Hussein to comply with the United Nations demands to give evidence of compliance with the required destruction of their chemical and biological weapons, as well as the scrapping of their nuclear weapons pursuit. It was also much easier for coalition forces to effectively fight the terrorists in Iraq than it was in Afghanistan, primarily due to the terrain, but also due to the tactics used in each theater. So, Afghanistan and Iraq were logically and correctly the primary battlegrounds in the global war on terrorism. But those two countries are very different. Iraq has far more structure and order than Afghanistan. Iraq would not immediately descend into chaos after the withdrawal of coalition forces. But Afghanistan was always at risk for that very outcome if the withdrawal were not done properly. And that has played out. Due to the mindless incompetence and unseriousness of the current administration in Washington, D.C., is it actually mindlessness and incompetence and unseriousness? Or could it just be idealism that causes the leftists to foul this up so outrageously? There is doubtless some idealism among the leftists in the Democratic Party who have taken control of the executive and legislative branches of government. That makes the consequences of the 2020 election theft all the more impactful to the entire world. The idealism of the left has a dangerous misperception about the Islamofascists. They believe that those terrorists wouldn't do their evil deeds without something pushing them into it. But this is a very important point that everyone should understand about terrorists. Nothing we say could ever talk them out of their evil deeds, and nothing we do or say ever talked them into those evil deeds. Leftists think and have claimed that if only we in America would speak or act differently, then the terrorist wouldn't be motivated to do the things they do. That is a lie from Hades itself. The reason evil people do evil things is because evil people are evil. Is that simplistic? Regardless, it is true. So 
The current administration has said bewilderingly idiotic things about hoping that the terrorists will change their ways and will embrace equity and inclusion, especially for women. The Taliban, notably, just mocked that by saying, of course, they would do exactly that. How stupid do the Taliban think the folks in Washington are? Well, sadly, they are being proven right about that in material ways. But the outrageous buffoonery of the current administration affects more than just the United States and Afghanistan. The entire world suffers when terrorists have their way. The reach and projection of even lesser forces has become formidable with the rapid communications and transportation available around the world now. So, other coalition partners who worked with the United States in the global war on terrorism are calling the current administration in Washington out. The British Parliament, notably, held the President of the United States in contempt, in spite of that probably being only a symbolic gesture. Or, consider our allies in Canada. This headline and subhead from the Canada Free Press was today, 23 August 2021. Quote, Joey the Broken Marionette. The screw-up in Afghanistan is so incredibly and monumentally incompetent that it took a level of thought and planning that can only be considered nefarious, unquote. So the Canadians are accusing Biden of purposefully destroying everything. Now I'll mention in a moment how helpless the Biden administration is regarding the extraction of our vulnerable Americans in Afghanistan. But I want to point out that other countries are already doing what Biden finds impossible. Some of our coalition allies, the Czechs, the French, the British, even the Australians, are rescuing their stranded citizens. By the way, I say even the Australians, because if you've been paying attention to the outrageous buffoonery happening in Australia lately, you'd be shocked that they can do anything anywhere. A recent podcast episode dealt with the ridiculousness of their COVID response, but since that time, they've ramped that up to terrifying levels. They have almost no deaths attributed to COVID, but they are locked down like a giant concentration camp. And a report today indicates they're killing shelter dogs just because they're so wrapped up in their own COVID hysteria. But perhaps the most obvious of the idiotic and calamitous mistakes of the administration is abandoning the unarmed civilians after having given over the only secure airfield we controlled in Afghanistan. That airfield is at Bagram, which is where I spent most of my time during my only deployment in 2005. Much surely changed in the intervening years, but Bagram was certainly our most secure area within the entire theater of operations. Abandoning Bagram first, before securing the egress of the most vulnerable Americans, was unforgivably stupid. No leader, at any level, could have failed to recognize that the current horror show was the 
obvious outcome of that foolish action. But surely we had plans to get the unarmed and vulnerable out as we ceased our kinetic operations in Operation Enduring Freedom. Yes, of course we did. Among the plans specifically applicable to such situations was the establishment during President Trump's term of the Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau. On the 11th of June, 2021, a memo in the current State Department authorized, quote, discontinuation of the establishment and the termination of the Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau, unquote. Of course, the same State Department has since claimed that because the Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau had only recently been established, and since things take so long in Washington, they could say from a certain perspective that the Bureau didn't yet actually exist. Therefore, their stated intention to dismantle it couldn't actually mean dismantle it. Now that is some perverse tail covering by the current administration. And it is completely irrelevant to the fact that they had to know the approach they were taking was catastrophically foolish. Trusting in the goodwill of satanic terrorists to refrain from taking advantage of newly unprotected civilians is the approach this current administration took, and there is no sentient being who could defend such a mindless approach. But what else might those satanic terrorists do now that the current administration has emboldened and even empowered them to have unfettered ability to do as they choose? Well, one of the things they do is intimidate the entire Afghan National Army, which we supplied as our allies, into abandoning their equipment and their responsibilities. And with the biometric database access the terrorists have apparently gained, they can target people who helped or worked with the coalition. And reportedly, such door-to-door targeting has started. Another thing they may do is initiate a massive hostage situation. Terrorists have used such ploys to gain leverage over nations before, including, notably, the Iranian terrorists in the Jimmy Carter era. Except the conditions in Afghanistan now are ripe for a far worse hostage crisis than Iran 1979. The current administration doesn't know how many American civilians are stranded in Afghanistan. That is shocking, but then again, it's consistent with the complete unseriousness and buffoonery of every member of the party now in positions of power. The number is likely between 12,000 and 15,000. And we had one hostage in Afghanistan before, sort of. You remember Sergeant Bo Bergdahl? He was held captive by the Taliban-associated network called Haqqani from 2009 to 2014. Or maybe he was. That piece of dirt deserted because he is an anti-American, as he clearly stated. He was tried by a general court-martial. 
And he was dishonorably discharged, but not executed. But how did we get him back anyway? Well, Barack Obama gave up five Taliban commanders in exchange for that deserter, Bo Bergdahl. That taught the Taliban the value of hostages. And it did something else for the Taliban, obviously. Restoring those five Taliban commanders was a great benefit to the enemy, and Obama was bewilderingly willing to give them such benefit. Did it have lasting consequences? Yes. In fact, one of those Satanists, named Karula Kerkwa, is among the Taliban leadership making a mockery of the current administration, ironically headed by Obama's underling. It's actually more perverse and disgusting than I've described. Obama-Biden administration trusted the Taliban enough to negotiate with them for an exchange of five of their leaders for one worthless traitor who was probably in league with the Taliban rather than captive to them. Obama-Biden trusted the Taliban enough to simply take their word for it that they'd be good little Taliban commanders after being released, just relaxing in Qatar, pursuing quiet lives of religious tranquility. Obama-Biden had no concept that those five Taliban commanders would get right back to work fighting against our interests, nor that at least one of them would end up right back in Afghanistan, negotiating in 2021 with the Biden administration for the way the United States must withdraw. Did you catch that? Not only was Obama's released terrorist Karqua back up to his old terrorist ways, but he was also sitting across the table in Kabul from Biden's envoy to Afghanistan, making demands about the United States withdrawal. Whatever Obama's released terrorists' demands were against Biden's envoy, they could not have been more outrageous than, say, abandon your airfield at Bagram before taking any of your Americans out of our country. Yes, listeners, the world is a serious place, and there are some evil people in it. I understand if you are very, very angry that you're facing the consequences of people who have no relationship to reality. Now, another possible consequence of this administration's catastrophe is another spectacular terrorist attack. Our military, along with coalition partners, accomplished their mission of making it increasingly difficult to almost impossible for the terrorists to openly organize, train, and equip for spectacular attacks. That actually was accomplished very quickly after 9-11. But the bad guys were never going to stop their evil ways, and they were always just waiting for the power vacuum to return. Long-term success in Afghanistan did not require ongoing kinetic operations, and so the plans to curtail those operations were sensible. But obviously, the real change that Afghanistan required to fend off the waiting terrorists was always bound to be a generational one. There was always more to the global war on terrorism than just killing terrorists. President Bush explained that clearly. But 
hateful media obscured his messages. The terrorists have been patient, and their evil never expires. And they've shown before that they would desire to attack us on September 11. Remember the year 2012? The United States ambassador to Libya, Christopher Stevens, had been begging Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for security personnel because he recognized that his diplomatic mission was being targeted by terrorists. Secretary Clinton flatly refused to help him, probably not due to actual desire for catastrophe, but probably just because she also was completely unserious and uninterested in anything that didn't advance her leftist goals. So the United States diplomatic mission in Benghazi, Libya, was left vulnerable to the terrorists, and the terrorists chose September 11 to attack. They murdered Ambassador Stevens, Glenn Doherty, Sean Smith, and Tyrone Woods. Neither Secretary Clinton, who refused to answer the months-long pleas for security, nor Barack Obama, who was the only person on planet Earth with the authority to issue the stand-down order that was given during the attack, has ever been held accountable for their horrific actions. The terrorists will surely choose September 11 of some year for another spectacular attack if they are not dealt with effectively. Meanwhile, the Biden failure in Afghanistan will have other catastrophic consequences worldwide. Consider China, for example. They are one of the worst enemies of all free people on earth because they are run by leftists. The fall of Kabul apparently prompted the communist Chinese government to conclude that Biden would equally fail everywhere, so they boldly proclaimed that Taiwan was basically at their mercy now, since the currently hapless United States government would not come to Taiwan's aid. And then there's Russia. Vladimir Putin, the leftist president of Russia, has had designs on Ukraine, and he's undoubtedly willing to use military force to overrun Ukraine. He's not been ready to do that yet, due to several factors, but many of the pieces he's been waiting to move into place are likely to be in place before the end of this year. Since Putin is now just laughing at Biden, nothing Biden might say to forestall an invasion of Ukraine is likely to be taken seriously. And consider our great ally Israel. They are always the targets of terrorists, and those terrorists are emboldened as their like-minded fellow travelers, the Taliban, are emboldened. Israeli journalist Yoav Lemore wrote about the Afghanistan crisis. Quote, The implications for Israel's security will be immediate. The terrorist organizations on its borders, especially those operating under an Iranian umbrella, can be expected to become more daring. Unquote. Biden's buffoonery has horrific consequences worldwide. And yet, Biden continues to say the most significant threat is carbon dioxide in the air, while he callously continues to exhale carbon dioxide with every breath. And the new leadership he's put at the top positions of the United States echo that same ridiculous nonsense about the climate being a crisis. I suppose it's just easier to declare a ubiquitous enemy that never responds to us so they can be absolved of all their ineffectiveness and they can perpetuate the control that dealing with their self-declared crisis 
gives them. You think it's hyperbole to point out that the left's unflappable garbage peddling about the climate? Here is an actual headline from the 20th of August, 2021 on CBS News. Quote, How Climate Change Helped Strengthen the Taliban. Unquote. I am not making that up. CBS and all their like-minded D.C. swamp dwellers really do say those things. But in the real world, evil people are rejoicing that they are less opposed than before. They will be happy to perpetuate their evil deeds relatively unfettered. The solution is serious, competent leadership. Have a blessed day. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.